Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast. Hour two. Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here across the United States from my flagship station, WSB in Atlanta, Georgia. I sure hope you guys are having a great day. Glad to be back with you. Feeling much better today. Uh, I still can't believe I'm like ear infection of all things. Um, I, I, my right ear is doing better, but it's ringing and stopped up now. Phone number here, 877-973-7425. So normally, Philip compiles the show notes for me. I I add in a little shared note all the stuff I want to talk about, and then he compiles it all together in the show notes that we send out right as the show starts. But he's on vacation. It's his birthday today, and he's gone to watch the Tampa Lightning play hockey games. So I compiled the show notes. And so they reflect really exactly uh, the order of the show today. He shakes things up uh, using his editorial discretion. If you want to subscribe, and you get all the stuff I'm going to talk about, and you can see the video of, of that idiot Karine Jean-Pierre and her transition from a question on anti-Semitism to Islamophobia, text DATA to 33777. Uh, click that top link. You can subscribe to the show notes. You'll even get a discount for doing so if you text DATA to 33777. Uh, likewise, if you text DATA to 33777, the second link will be I'm speaking at an event at the Governor's Gun Club in Kennesaw, Georgia, Thursday night if you want to come. Uh, you can click that link and RSVP, text DATA to 33777, get that link to show up Thursday. Um, it's a great, great event, a great nonprofit. I want to read something for you all. Uh, and I am going to read a little bit because you need to appreciate this um, because most of you probably do not know, and I'm familiar with the customs. I, I My wife and I have a friend lives down in Hilton Head now, and for her local synagogue, she is one of the women who uh, participates in, I think it's called Kvod uh, Hamet. It's a principle of honoring the dead, um, and no, that that's not the name of it. Um, I forget exactly what it is, um, but they sit with the dead. The dead are not left alone. Point of all this, as I, I butcher the names and the terminology, is essentially that uh, the Jews have customs relating to the dead. I need to talk to you guys about something I consider really important. And to do this, I need to read this to you. Uh, and this, just so you know, where I'm reading from is actually. Um, put on by a uh, Jewish Federation of Greater Metro West New Jersey, and it is the Jewish Funeral Customs. Just as there is a way to live as a Jew, there is a way to die and be buried as a Jew, writes Blue Greenberg in her book, How to Run a Traditional Jewish Household, 
published in 1983. The classic guide to Jewish living outlines traditional death rituals and practical issues, although many of these practices have been adapted somewhat by Reformed Jews. The first thing to do after a death in the family if you belong to a synagogue and the family members live near you is to contact your rabbi or another synagogue leader. Usually the synagogue will take over many of the arrangements. However, when your family members live far away and is not a member of a congregation or when you are not a member, funeral homes can often suggest rabbis who will conduct a funeral. Jewish burials take place as quickly as possible following a principle of honoring the dead, kvod hamat. Only if immediate relatives cannot arrive in time from abroad or if there is not enough time for burial before Sabbat or holiday, are burials postponed for a day. Anything less is considered a humiliation of the dead, Greenberg explains. If you don't already have funeral plots purchased, you or a representative will need to contact a cemetery to purchase a plot. You will also need to contact a funeral parlor to transfer the body and schedule the time of the funeral. Jewish law mandates a simple pine box. So although you may need to choose a plot, you don't need to concern yourself with an elaborate decision about coffins or with cremation or embalming, which are forbidden by Jewish law. Most well-organized communities offer the services, uh, uh, the, a sacred burial society, which will prepare the body for burial. Men prepare men, women prepare women. They wash the body with warm water from head to foot, and although they may turn the body as necessary to clean it entirely, including all orifices, they never place it face down. The body is dressed in white burial shrouds, which are purposely kept simple to avoid distinguishing between rich and poor. Men are buried with their prayer shawls, which are rendered ineffective by cutting off one of the fringes. If, however, a person suffered any injury and blood soaked into his or her clothing, ritual washing is not completed. The blood of a person is considered as holy as his life and deserves proper burial, Greenberg writes. From the moment of death, the body is not left alone until after burial. The practice, there it is, called guarding or watching, uh, shmira, is based on the principle of honoring the dead. A family member, a Shevra Kadissa member, or someone arranged by the funeral parlor, passes the time by reciting the Psalms as this person watches over the deceased. Traditional Jewish funerals are very simple and usually relatively brief. I need to read that to you, and you need to process that. To make several points, funerals are rapidly conducted. Bodies for which there is blood on the cloth is buried with them. Blood is considered holy. Christians have lost this aspect of Christendom, which I think they shouldn't. This actually comes from the very beginning of the Bible, uh, from Genesis. I think it's uh, Genesis 8 or 9. Uh, it's after the flood when God tells uh, Noah to institute the death penalty, that if anyone takes the life of another, their life must be taken because they disrespected life, and that no blood can ever be eaten. Now, I come from a Reformed tradition that maintains that since this is pre-law, this predates Moses, this comes in the beginning, the, the re-beginning, the rebirth, if you will, 
that we should not eat blood. Now, that doesn't mean the red in meat. That's not blood. But like blood sausage, I I have friends who like blood sausage. I won't eat it. I actually do believe that though Jesus said we can eat everything within the New Testament, he was referring to the laws as given by Moses. He wasn't referring to this. So Jesus, when he says eat whatever you want, my interpretation of it, and and you can disagree with me, but my interpretation of it is he's meaning the, the laws given to Moses and the food laws. He doesn't mean blood. Blood was given in the very beginning. It's recovenanted after the fall with Noah, and God says, don't eat blood. Blood is sacred. Blood is holy. And so I don't eat blood sausages, things like that. I I, I actually believe it's a violation of my faith to do so. Most Christians interpret it differently from me, but I take it very seriously that this was a command of God to Noah that carries through all the covenants. I say all of these things because the Jewish people have had to do something they've never done before. This is how seriously they take death. I read you this. I, I tell you this about my, my own uh, faith interpretation because you need to understand how seriously the Jewish people take death. When I was a kid, my bedroom was the TV room. And my sisters, the rule was they got to watch whatever they wanted. If if my room was going to be the TV room, I had the option to share a room with my middle sister. And if I wasn't going to do that and I was going to take over the TV room, that if somebody wanted to watch TV, I had to let them watch TV. And my sisters liked to torture me by watching horror movies. My middle sister was dating a guy named James. He was from England. And James and my sister decided to watch Faces of Death, banned in like every country on the planet, but they had a bootleg copy of it. Faces of Death is two video series. One shows animals and the other shows people dying. And I remember, I I distinctly watched some of it, and and it was the animal killing was the one that was the more upsetting one because there was so much blood. But there there were, I mean, you actually, you saw like, You saw an electrocution. You saw somebody got decapitated and their body kept running after the decapitation. It was just horrible stuff. It was like uh, videos of people being killed. Reporters, 300 of them, were assembled yesterday for the faces of death of Israel. The Israelis, the Jews, they do not video death dead bodies. They do not show dead bodies. They have respect for dead. There is a way to die and be buried as a Jew. It is sacred, it is private, and it is quick. And the Israeli government overcame all their objections to showing dead and death because so many people have doubted the stories. And the stories are real. One of the editorial writers of the New York Times last week insisted that the decapitated babies had been debunked. Not only were the the story of the decapitated babies not debunked, yesterday the Israeli government showed them. The Israeli government showed how Hamas tied a father and child together 
and burned them alive so that at the autopsy, it appeared to be one body until it began to fall apart under inspection. The Israeli government played the videos. How did they get the videos? The dead Hamas soldiers were wearing body cameras. Some of them were captured and under interrogation gave access to their WhatsApps where they were sending videos to their parents. One is a video, a voice exchange between one of the Hamas soldiers and his father, the father so proud of the son for murdering Jews. They documented all of it. They documented the violent rape of a woman. It was so violent it broke her pelvis, the rape. They documented the woman who was captured and while alive had her child cut out of her stomach and while living watched the child cut out of her stomach be killed before she herself was killed. Yes, the baby died first. These are things even the Nazis did not contemplate. These are depravities that animals would not do. These were not the depravities of animals. Animals would not be as ruthless and toying with the dead. These were demons. These were demons, and the Israeli government takes so strongly the fact that American media outlets, American editorialists, members of our Congress like Rashida Tlaib and Ilhan Omar, refused to acknowledge the depravity of what Hamas did, that they had to overcome their views on death and dying and show reporters the horror, and still there will be those who refuse to believe. And I want to say something bold. If you encounter anyone who refuses to believe the horror of what Hamas did, if you encounter anyone who denies babies were decapitated, if you encounter anyone who refuses to believe a woman was raped so violently her pelvis was broken, if you encounter anyone who refuses to believe a father and child were tied together and burned alive, if you refuse, if you encounter anyone who refuses to believe the horrors of what Hamas did, not only should you not be friends with that person, you should rebuke that person. That person is so departed from human empathy that they're not worth you wasting your time on anymore. That person has succumbed to evil and doesn't want to be pulled from it. The Jews have a way to die and be buried as a Jew, and the Jewish people of Israel violated all their tenets of how to die and deal with death to show the world the horrors of Hamas. And if anyone refuses to believe after seeing the video and hearing the audio, that person really is succumbed with evil, and you should be advised. I suddenly know how many Jews listen to my show. For an American population of 2%, I think 1.9% of them not just have my cell phone number, but they all listen. <laughs> thank you all. Thank you. Thank you. 
Um, goodness gracious. Um, I, I guess I need to, I, I video that, that segment. I guess I need to put it online. Um, for people to see it, it really is. I, I did not. So we, we've got this, this, uh, our friend, Harriet, who would, would sit with dead. I, I never knew it was a thing, uh, until after Christian, and I got married. I mean, it's probably been 15 years now that, that I realized this was a thing. And, and she talked about the, the, the rituals. And so I, I've known it's a really big deal, one, for Jews to not be able to rapidly bury their dead uh, at this time, but also the the fact that the Israeli government is willing to show stuff. I mean, that's one of the things that Hamas could get away with, and it's it's the 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 twisty nature of their evil and and their supporters and of the anti-Semites to know how respectful of the dead the Jews are to force them to have to show the videos of the dead which historically Israel has never done in any war. Israel has never shown the documentation of the dead. They've just accepted that here's what we're going to say and we'll accept, expect you to treat it as true. And now nobody wants to treat it as true because they're, they're full anti-Semites. On the Democratic side, I, I, I want to emphasize as much as you got anti-Semites on the right, we're really having to deal with the left-wing anti-Semitism out there right now that I want to talk about when we come back. Before I get there, though, I got to tell you guys about Vision Computer. I was talking to a guy who took me up on this, by the way. He's got a small business, actually here in my town. He's about an hour south of Atlanta. And his company decided to take me up on this, and they're getting their computers in, and he's very happy, and you will be too. Why? Because he doesn't have to hire an outside IT guy. Uh, Vision is taking care of him, and everybody in his company will know if you've got a computer problem, you can call Vision. And he feels like he got a great deal. Uh, better than having to go out to the big box stores and buy a generic one-size-fits-all PC, Vision's building the laptops and the desktops, and they'll take care of him. And they'll do it for you and your business. They'll do it for your home, for you and your kids. If you need a computer, go to Vision Computer, visioncomputers.com or 404-COMPUTE. You work with them, tell them what you need, what you want. They'll build you your laptop or your desktop, and then they'll service it for you. And by the way, if you've got a company, you got a bunch of computers at your office and they're not from Vision, they'll still service them for a small annual fee. They'll become your tech guys. So they'll help you with email, printer, uh, antivirus, installs, uninstalls, you name it. All you do, you call them quicker than a Google search. You get an answer from Vision Computers. Visioncomputers.com or 404Compute. Tell them I sent you. You won't find this on the website. But if you tell them Eric Erickson sent you, they'll give you an even better deal. 404Compute, Visioncomputers.com, anywhere nationwide. Reach out to them. Hello there. Welcome. It's Eric Erickson here across the nation. The phone number 877-973-7425 should you wish to be on the program. As always, if you text DATA to 33777, you can subscribe to the show notes. And also, if you're in the Atlanta area, you want to come see me Thursday night at the Governor's Gun Club in Kennesaw, you can do that as well. Both links are there. Now, I, I got to go back to this audio. I want to play two pieces real quick. This is the first question Karine Jean-Pierre got at the White House briefing yesterday. I know uh, John Kirby addressed the protests on college campuses, and I appreciate that the president respects First Amendment rights to protest. But does the president view anti-Israel protests and sentiment on college campuses as anti-Semitism? So, look, I'm not going to get into what's happening across the country and at different universities. I'm not going to get into the specifics. As the admiral said, the First Amendment right, right? That's what something in peaceful protest is really uh, part of part of our democracy, being able for folks to to uh, to be able to express their feelings. I'm not going to get into any uh, uh, you know, specifics on that. The president has been very clear in wanting to make sure that uh, Jewish Americans, wanting to make sure that Arab Americans, Muslims are protected here. Okay. 
And now the second one. This level of concern right now about the potential rise of anti-Semitism in light of everything that's going on in Israel. So a couple of things. Um, look, um, uh, we have not seen uh, any credible uh, threats. I know there's been always questions about uh, credible threats. Uh, and so... I uh, just want to make sure that that's out there. But look, uh, Muslim and those perceived uh, to be Muslim have endured a disproportionate uh, number of hate-fueled attacks. Uh, and certainly President Biden understands that many of our Muslim Arab Arab Americans and Palestinian American loved ones and neighbors are worried about the hate being directed at their communities. And that is something you heard the president speak to in his uh, in his address uh, just last last Thursday. And so uh, one of the things that the president has done is directed his team, uh, uh, Homeland Security team, to prioritize prevention uh, and disruption of any emerging threats that could harm the Jewish, the Muslim, uh, Arab Americans, or, or any other communities. And that is something that the president has sought to do and and since day one, as you know, the president ran on on um, on you know bringing commu protecting communities, obviously, but bringing people together, the soul uh, uh, protecting the soul of the nation, uh, and so um, that is something that the president takes very very seriously, uh, and. Um, you know, we're going to continue to denounce any sort of hate uh, towards any American here. Uh, and so that's what we're going to continue to be steadfast on. Again, he has he has uh, uh, advised, directed his Homeland Security uh, team to make sure that they're on top of this. Uh-huh. I wanted you to hear it all in its entirety. Now, one last bit. This is from Ari Fleischer on Fox News. The sliver of Americans who've taken Hamas aside all cut from the same cloth. College-educated, liberal postgraduate degree, the very people who run and work for the New York Times, and send the signal to the rest of the major media. Thank goodness America now has outlets, conservative outlets, that have broken from the mainstream media that are much more willing to tell the truth to the American people. They don't cover what Hamas says because they know Hamas is live. And they're much more willing to wait on a story than to rush it and put it on the air. And look at the damage the New York Times did. They. They sparked the riots that took place in Beirut. They sparked the riots that took place in Jordan. They resulted in canceling President Biden's trip to the West Bank. This is the damage the New York Times has inflicted. Now, that music in the background was Fox News telling Ari, shut up, we got to go to commercial break. <laughs> but he didn't care. Uh, all right, let, let me break all this down for you. If you are a Jewish Democrat in this country, you should be a little bit concerned by several things. One, when asked to address anti-Semitism on the rise in this country, Jews represent 2% of America and 51% of hate crimes in the country. When asked to address this issue, the White House Press Secretary, Karine Jean-Pierre, who in her private life is a well-documented uh, supporter of the Palestinian cause, pivoted to anti-Islam attacks and Islamophobia. Twice, when given the opportunity to talk about anti-Semitism, the White House press secretary pivoted to talk about hate against Muslims in the United States. You should also be concerned that Barack Obama, who spent days refusing to say anything after the attack in Israel, on October 7th, has now published a piece lecturing Israel and suggested several pieces of reading, one of which was by his national security spokesman, Ben Rhodes, who, I kid you not, 
argued that the militant wing of Hamas is not its best self. No, no, you don't have to believe me. Uh, Allow me to read this for you, and you should note that this is in the show notes today if you're a subscriber. This is actually what Ben Rhodes wrote. This is what Barack Obama wants you to read. Quote, Israel has legitimate security concerns and has the right to go after the military wing of Hamas, a faction that has proven to be the worst version of itself. What the hell is the best version of itself? This group literally exists to see the elimination of Jews. That's not me. That's their own charter document, the elimination of Israel and the Jewish people. That's in Hamas's document. The problem here is that as much as the media focuses on white nationalists and anti-Semites of the right, and there are some, they overwhelm the left now. As Ari Fleischer was pointing out, it's upper-income, college-educated white people who disproportionately embrace the anti-Semitic cause these days. They and the uh, black philosophers and pundits at the New York Times uh, who stir up the intersectional woke causes du jour about uh, racial animosity in the country. They're they're all a bunch of anti-Semites. Barack Obama comes from that. Barack Obama is a 60s-era progressive raised on anti-Semitism who flirted with uh, the Islamic nation and, and Louis Farrakhan and his ilk. They hate Jews and Israel and blame them for much of the world in addition to uh, right-wing Reaganites. Right-wing Reaganites and Jews are to blame for the world's problems, according to this philosophical strain of the left, of which Barack Obama is a part and much of the Biden White House is a part. Joe Biden one time called himself a Zionist. Uh, Joe Biden may be, but he's surrounded by a bunch of blame Israel first types in the White House and on academic institutions in this this country, on campuses and the like. So much of the, the activist left are anti-Semites. You want to be disturbed? You want to be shocked? Let me tell you this. Half of Americans between 18 and 34 believe the murder of Jewish Israeli civilians can be justified by the grievances of the Palestinians. Half of Americans between 18 and 34 believe the murders of Israeli civilians can be justified by the grievances of Palestinians. A double-digit percentage of young Americans who think the Hamas massacre was genocidal and justified, and they vote Democrat. That's why this White House feels the need to continually lecture Israel publicly. It has nothing to do with how Zionist or not Joe Biden says he is. It has everything to do with the Democratic Party coalition being anti-Semitic overall. Think about all the people in the Democratic Party, think about all the members of Congress in the Democratic Party who waited until Israel began to respond and then immediately said, whoa, 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 listen, what Hamas did was bad, but Israel needs a proportionate response. They, they, they can't, they just can't do too much. Now, a proportionate response really should mean Israel is going to go murder and rape 1,400 Palestinians. They're not going to do that, thankfully. 
They're not monsters like Hamas. But this is what proportional response, I guess, should be. My buddy Seth Mandel is writing over at Commentary. Proponents of supposedly peaceful measures to forestall more deaths, like Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, were calling for an immediate ceasefire and de-escalation on the very day of the massacre, thus leaving unpunished and unanswered the Hamas rampage that murdered 1,400 and injured another several thousand. She said the same two weeks later this past Sunday on MSNBC. Would Ocasio-Cortez support a ceasefire, she was asked, that would leave Hamas in place? Indeed, she would in the immediate sense, she said. Following her train, 18 House Democrats signed a resolution in support of such a ceasefire. They were joined by an interesting array of ceasefire callers. China wants a ceasefire. The UN wants a ceasefire. Turkey wants a ceasefire. Left-wing writers and actors and artists want you to see their names on a list calling for a ceasefire. What these people and countries and entities are asking for and have been from the beginning is an unmolested Hamas-run genocide collective on Israel's border. But now all these figures have had ample opportunity to see a fraction of the recordings of Hamas attacks on October 7th and read the testimony of witnesses and emergency workers and Hamas terrorists in custody. Israel began showing and playing the totality of them to journalists yesterday. Those who have seen the footage say it's the worst thing they've ever seen. And for those of us who have merely read the transcripts, they are the worst things we've ever read. October 7th was a watershed day for humanity's capacity for barbarism. The obsessive and immediate calls for a ceasefire represent a moral catastrophe. They were and are intended not to moderate an Israeli response, but to avert one. They do not deserve to gain an ounce of credibility just because two weeks later, those calls continue. They are aging like milk, not wine. There are terrorists who must be brought to justices, hostages who must be returned, and millions of Israelis and Palestinians whose fate must not be left to the whims of monsters and their apologists. The problem is that too many Democrats are on the side of the monsters. Too many Palestinians are on the side of the monsters. The monsters are disproportionately vocal within the Democratic Party with multiple members of Congress on the side of the monsters. Rashida Tlaib still denies that Hamas is responsible for the bombing of the Baptist Hospital in Gaza. She won't take down her tweet and now says that while Israel might not physically have launched the missile that hit the hospital, they're morally responsible for it. How the hell is Israel morally responsible for a rocket attack when Israel isn't the one that chopped off the heads of babies. Because they're on the side of the monsters. The monsters are real. They're not imaginary. They do not live under your bed. They share a border with Israel and have burrowed under it in tunnels. And they are funded by people around the world, including here in the United States, and cheered on on college campuses. We are surrounded by monsters. God bless him. Ron DeSantis is out there saying any person on a visa in this country championing Hamas in the street should be deported. I agree with him. These people are a fifth element within this country, a fifth column of people who would be on the side of Hamas in this country, who cheer on the murder and decapitation of babies, who show no empathy for people who are Jewish, who would show no empathy for you, the evangelical Christian. I note, by the way, how many prominent evangelicals out there have also kept their mouths shut on what happened in Israel. Evangelicals who like to play in the press and in the columns of the New York Times, keeping their mouths shut on the horror until they can both sides it as well. To repeat what my friend Seth Mandel wrote at commentary, October 7 
was a watershed day for humanity's capacity for barbarism. And the days after our watershed day in revealing how many people really are eyes wide open on the side of evil here and around the world, and too many of them infest the Democratic Party. And it really is evil. It really is evil. If you can deny, despite the documentary evidence and the eyewitnesses, that babies were decapitated so that you can downplay the violence of the monsters, you really are on the side of evil. And that you, the White House press secretary, when asked about the rise of anti-Semitism in this country, when 51% of hate crimes in this country right now are launched against Jews, can instead pivot and make it about Islamophobia, you too are a dimwit on the side of evil. We on the right too often call everything on the other side that we disagree with evil. We have done to that word what the left has done to racism. But here now, pay attention to this clearly, eyes wide open. This is evil. What these people have done is evil. They should be destroyed. They should be eliminated. And if you don't get that, if you don't understand that, if you, don't, if you want to both sides, if you want to sit it out, if you want to say it's not my problem, you're on the side of evil whether you want to be or not. A whole lot of people let the Holocaust happen because they just decided to do nothing. They were on the side of evil too. You gotta pick a side, good or evil. Sitting on the sidelines means you're on the side of evil. It just does. You may not like it, but it's true. You gotta pick. One of the groups that's on the side of good and helping this cause is Patriot Mobile. They're using a portion of their profits to help a good cause. They're good people, they're Christian conservatives. They care about this issue. They care about doing business with people who share their values. And as their profits grow, they fund these causes that you care about from helping the Israelis to helping the Second Amendment movement to helping the pro-life cause. And all you have to do is move your cell phone service to them. You go to patriotmobile.com slash Eric today. You can even see a detailed coverage map. They use the same cell towers you're probably already using, patriotmobile.com slash Eric. If you don't want to do it on the internet, you want to do it by phone, you can call them at 972-PATRIOT and tell them I sent you. You get free activation with my name. They fund the causes you care about. They fund the candidates you care about. You grow their profits. They grow their giving to the conservative movement. Good people who share your values. They use the same cell towers you're probably already using. If you want to see how good the service is in your area, go to patriotmobile.com slash Eric. Put in your address. You can zoom straight into your home and see the 5G, the data, the voice, all of it. Patriotmobile.com slash Eric or 972-PATRIOT. Call them. Tell them I sent you. Get free activation with my name. Hello there. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. Persecuted. I'm trying to spell a word here because I got a, um, where is it? Um, so I want to read you a text message from a friend of mine, Josh Youssef. I support a nonprofit called Help the Persecuted. And he sent me this text, M going by M. M is from Idlib, Syria. She lives in Lebanon with her husband and their four children. M had an Islamic upbringing. Her father repeatedly tried to rape her, beating her severely when she refused to submit. She fled to Lebanon in 2012 with her husband and children due to the war in Syria. Six months later, she began visiting a church for aid. She was amazed by what she heard about a loving God. She began attending regularly. A year and a half later, she prayed to be showed the right path. And in a dream, she saw herself and her family ascending to heaven on a staircase. She accepted Jesus as her savior in October, 2014. When her family found out she had been attending church, her husband beat her. 
Her father threatened to forcibly bring her back to Syria to kill her. Her father died of a heart attack instead. Her mother blamed Im uh, for the father's death. Im's husband later came to faith and was baptized in 2021. They were disinherited. Uh, Im's uncle took the olive groves and lands her family owned. Her mother and siblings threatened her and insulted her. She now works as a janitor at the church, earning $300 monthly starting this September. Her husband has now lost his job because he converted to the faith. Uh, if y'all want to help him, you can text DONATE to 33777. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.